Hello and welcome to another episode of The Volume Knob, the songs that saved your life. This week, Catherine and Bad Day. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the show. Today's story is about a good thing coming out of an embarrassing moment. And and not just any embarrassing moment. You know, it's about that special squirming kind of embarrassing moment that you only get into when you make your own bed and you're forced to lie in it heavily and ungracefully. Anyway, it's told by a former boss of mine. Hi, my name is Catherine McKenzie. I'm a writer, and the song that saved my life is Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Catherine recently retired from a very successful legal career to focus on her work as a best-selling writer. Um, That's where she was my boss, as a lawyer, not in the publishing world. Anyway, her story is not only about embarrassment, It's about meeting people you admire and trying to make the world a better place and Betty White. Yeah, Betty White. It's also about the strange obsession that we as readers and indeed as music lovers have with insisting that the people who create the art that we love have actually lived the experience they write about. Oh, and one more thing. You're going to hear a slight swishing uh, sound in the early part of Catherine's interview. There was a problem with her mic. So ignore those, persevere, and you're going to treat yourself to a fantastic story. Anyway, here's Catherine. So in 2010, my first novel was published and it's called Spin and it's about a journalist who follows a celebrity into rehab. Important point to remember for me. It's interesting telling people that you have a book coming out um, for the first time because I I couldn't have anticipated many of the reactions that I got to it from everyone assuming that because I was a lawyer at the time that it was obviously a John Grisham type book to then also sort of assuming that this was based on personal experience. And so, you know, I I would tell people to always ask what it's about. I would tell them the premise and I would get some version of oh, so did you go to rehab to research that? Or have you been to rehab? Or, Which I just found completely shocking. Um, I mean, as a woman, I guess I'm used to getting asked super personal questions, uh, particularly around children and whether you're going to have children and why don't you have children and that sort of stuff. But um, this, this surprised me. In fact, the first uh, book club that I ever went to, I have a sort of problem. I always arrive very early to places and I was the first guest and she uh, offered me a glass of wine and then stopped herself and said like, oh, I'm sorry, do you not drink? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, you think I'm Katie, the main character of my book? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, and, and probably the funniest one was, was actually my father-in-law who um, read the book and said that I seem to know an awful lot about drinking. And uh, I told him that I learned everything I knew about drinking from his son. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's how that was going. So, 
so one of the things that happens when you're an author is that sometimes you get invited to book festivals, and there's a big book festival in Montreal called Blue Met, and I was invited to go that spring um, to the Blue Met Festival, and one of the perks of being an author is that you get some free things, like free books sometimes, and free tickets to other people's events. The free event that Catherine was looking forward to attending most at that year's Blue Met was a talk between James Fry and a local CBC journalist here in Montreal. Fry is, for those of you who don't remember him, the author of a 2005 book called A Million Little Pieces, which was marketed as a memoir, but turned out to be fictional, at least in part. It was a pretty huge controversy at the time. There was a class action lawsuit that cost Fry's publisher over a million bucks. Anyway, around the time that the James Fry controversy blew up, Catherine was actually at home herself working on her first novel. And maybe two or three months into to writing it, uh, I saw the Oprah Winfrey, maybe I was homesick that day or something, and I saw the Oprah Winfrey where she breaks James Fry of the coals. For those of you who don't know the story, his book is a memoir about his time in rehab, but some of the details are not true or changed or exaggerated. And when Oprah found this out, she decided to rake him on, over the coals on live television and um, various things happened. He got sued um, and, you know, at, at, like ultimately it was a, it, it turned into a bit of a debate about memoir and what does that mean and certain famous memoirists sort of came forward and were like no 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 you have to be absolutely honest and to which I roll my eyes but anyway long story short there uh it actually made me curious to read the book and I did and I loved it and what I've always told people about that book is I don't care if it's fiction or a memoir it's just a great book and um for me something is not better because it's true it's either a good story or it isn't so fast forward back to 2010, Catherine is at the Blue Met, signing copies of her own good story, which is most definitely not based on her own life. So I did my event, um, and after the event, we you often go and have books signed, and, and I did that. And the way that event was set up, we were in a massive room that was separated by those sort of corrugated cardboard dividers and there was another event going on right behind us and the guy was reading from his book and he had chosen to read a sex scene <laughs> like deep into the microphone super loud and the worst sex scene I've ever heard in my life I don't know why this guy was so proud of the sex scene why he felt the need to read it I think he was just trying to shock people um, and I, I like nobody was buying that book after that reading. Um, it, <laughs> and I don't remember his name, but I wouldn't out him anyway. But I just it was weird. Unfortunately for Catherine, the overly loud, awkwardly written sex scene was only the start of her awkward and weird afternoon. And then I'm like, okay, well, it's like 15 minutes to, as I mentioned before, I show up early for everything. So time to get in the elevator and go to my event. And I'm wearing a badge. So, you know, as most people do at these types of things, they've got like a lanyard with a badge on it. And it, it, I think it says author on it. 
Um, and uh, I get on this elevator and go down one floor. And I, in my memory, this elevator is like something from a movie that a kid had just pressed every single button, you know, floor 45 to zero. Um, so anyway, it stops at the next at the next floor and this older couple gets on and they have badges on too, but I guess they were um, participant badges. And we had a brief conversation saying, you know, where are you going? Oh, going to see James Fry. And they're like, us too. Oh, great. Yeah, big fan. Anyway. Bing, stop at a floor, doors open. There's James Fry. We've like literally just said his name. It's like we've, we've uh, conjured him out of thin air and on he walks to the elevator. And the couple who's standing in the right-hand corner of the elevator and I'm on the left side are kind of like giving me the eye for some reason. I don't know about you, but anytime I've seen anyone famous that I admire in public, I enter into this sort of should I or shouldn't I debate. That said, once you open your mouth, you're sort of at a conversational point of no return. Like once you're in, there's no turning back, especially in an elevator. Catherine got there pretty quickly with James Fry. You know, I, I don't know what it was about that day or because he was such, I was such a fan. It's actually why I don't want to run into celebrities that I have uh, crushes of any kind on because I'm like, I don't want to be that idiot who's bugging them in a restaurant or whatever. But we were on an elevator one foot away from one another back in maskless 2010. And so I found myself saying, oh, hi, Mr. Fry, uh, you know, I'm a big fan. And he was nice about it. And I was like, oh yeah, thanks. Um, and then I felt the need, of course, to be like, but you know, I'm not just a reader, I'm also a writer. So I told him that I was a writer and my first book had just came out. And he was like, oh yeah, with who? I said, Harper Collins, and oh, because that was his publisher. And, uh, and you know, he's like, oh, in just in Canada or in the US? And like, in the, in just in Canada? And he's like, oh, we'll have to fix that for you. And I can feel myself getting red in the face, which I do when I'm embarrassed. And this couple is sort of like hovering in the corner and we keep stopping, you know, and this conversation is already going on for way longer than I anticipated. And, um, and then he says, what's your book about? And I have a mental like, oh shit. I'm like, well, and I'm sure I'm now seven more shades of red. Well, actually, it's about a journalist who follows a celebrity into rehab. And I think I'm pretty sure I kept the words, not that there's anything wrong with that, from spilling out of my mouth. And then he paused the way everyone does when I would give that um, little preamble. And he said, oh, are you a journalist? It's worth mentioning here that Katie, the protagonist in Spin, ends up going to rehab after spectacularly failing in a job interview in a big-time music magazine. 
she shows up drunk from the night before. And there's music throughout the book. And um, and for whatever reason, um, I always saw that book as a musical, which doesn't necessarily make sense, and it's not necessarily what's translated to the page, but there is a scene in, in rehab where she befriends a celebrity, and they actually, like, sing a song together in the cafeteria because the celebrity's ex-boyfriend has also ended up in rehab and she's just like losing it and 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 so it's like my big musical number but on paper each chapter in spin is named after a song and the chapter where Katie Bottoms Out is named Bad Day, after Daniel Powder's somewhat famous American Idol montage. Though she was used to telling people that she and Katie weren't the same person, there was a pretty significant scoop of Bad Day for Catherine in that elevator, slowly descending. And if this were not the bad day, that would have been the end of our interaction. <laughs> but it was not. So I'm like, no, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> He's like, oh, what kind of lawyer? Why is this guy asking me so many questions? And I'm like, oh, I didn't do litigation. Oh, what kind of litigation? And then I'm like, the word class action comes out of my mouth when I realize that, um, you know, he's actually been sued in a class action in Montreal. Um, which I don't think had been settled at the time. And uh, like, but he's just like making conversation and he's fine. And again, the elevator is like, stopping at every floor, ding, the door's open, there's no one there, the door's closed, next, and I'm like in my head, like, what is happening? Can I just be myself off of this elevator before I humiliate myself anymore? And then it finally gets to like the fifth floor and I didn't pay attention to what floor I was going to. I, if I knew, you know, maybe it went out of my head, but he starts to leave the elevator and I think, oh, we're all going to the same place. so. I start to follow him off the elevator and he's like starts backing away from me and he's like, I'm just gonna see a friend. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this is where the event was. And like, I back back onto the elevator as he backs away from me. So I've suddenly crossed over into crazed stalker territory and the doors close and I like sink down and this couple is, I don't know, laughing. Like, uh, I just can't believe that happened. So I take out my phone and I email an author friend of mine to say, I just humiliated myself in front of James Fry. Cue <laughs> like, the American Idol I'll montage, be, right? Yeah, right. Because you had a bad day, you take it one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. You say you don't Catherine managed to shake herself off in time to head to James Fry's event in the ballroom. He does his talk, his interview. And one of the things he says in the interview is that, you know, he wanted to, he didn't care about the controversy about his book because he wants to disrupt the system and that's what he's about and that's what he's trying to do with his books. At the end of all this, they open this up for audience questions. And because I had not humiliated myself enough that day, I decided like, yeah, obviously I'm gonna put up my hand. And because it was the bad day, um, I got picked. And um, they're, they're like, just hold on a sec, we'll get the microphone to you. And I actually said, it's okay, I can speak loud enough to be heard. And, and, and he's looking at me like, oh my God, this crazy fucking lady. And, 
And the guy's like, no, no, because we're recording. You need to have the microphone. And I'm just like, oh my God, like Catherine, what the hell? So I asked my question and tried to sound as, you know, erudite and not crazy as possible. And uh, he answered it. And, and we had a moment, like he looked at me and he's like, I know who you are. And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just let me do this. You know? And so then I had another talk with myself. He was doing a book signing afterwards and I was like, should I go to this? Should I go get a copy of my book from the bookstore and give it to him? And then I'm like, no, you are going home. Like, screw this. You already have copies of his books. You don't need a signed copy. You're just leaving. <laughs> Let the humiliation stop. So I did and I think, you know, in the cab or the metro ride home or whatever, I sort of texted my friend the story and somehow one of us coined a name for James Fry. We called him Elevator Man. Now maybe for most people that would be the end of it. Catherine and the Elevator Man and the bad day would end there. A little cocktail party anecdote for her to share when people are sharing embarrassing moments. And it might well have ended there if it weren't for an internet movement that picked up steam in the spring of 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, Betty White. To recruit Betty White to host Saturday Night Live. You know, I have so many people to thank for being here, but I really have to thank Facebook. about the campaign to get me to host Saturday Night Live, I didn't know what Facebook was. <laughs> and now that I do know what it is, I have to say, it sounds like a huge waste of time. I mean, Catherine didn't get it. Why give someone who's already famous more support? Where was the groundswell coming from? She didn't get it, but it did give her an idea. great. I, I'm not hating on Betty White, but... Because um, you're not a monster. I'm not a monster. I enjoy Betty White. <laughs> I just found it a bit bizarre. Um, but it, it, it sort of got me thinking about the nature of celebrity and the nature of crowds. And, um, you know, what, another thing that happens to you... Uh, so most of the time when you put a book out, uh, like, nobody notices and you sell 50 copies to your friends and family and, like, that's the end of it. Um, but I had the good fortune... Um, for my first book to become a national bestseller and, you know, was doing well. And, and, um, and there was some publicity around it. I mean, it's a lot of doing interviews, being asked the same eight questions over and over again. And, and I just felt kind of sick of talking about myself. And I think a lot of artists talk about imposter syndrome. You know, when you have some success, it's like, why me? Why not these 50 other people who I know who are just as talented or more talented? Um, than I am. So I was feeling that way and, I, and this Betty White thing happened and one day it sort of occurred to me like, why don't I do the, try and do this for books? So she created a Facebook group called I Bet We Can Make This Book a Bestseller. The approach was to use whatever influence she had and whatever influence she could bring to turn the light on the work of people she admired. She worked hard to recruit other authors, some with even bigger names, 
to her Facebook movement. So I'm, I'm trying to conscript other writers. I know some. And then I was reaching out to people I didn't know as well. And then I was like, well, James Fry says he wants to like disrupt the system. Maybe I can conscript this guy. Like, who knows? You know? <laughs> Catherine reached out to Fry's representatives using a publisher's database. She thought she might be able to use some of that elevator embarrassment to forward the career of someone worthy. And I just, I said, I explained the concept and, and you know, asked if he could pass my email along to James. And I, and I said, like, P.S., he may remember meeting me in an elevator in Montreal. Sometime later, she got an email from an unlikely source. And I was out for lunch with um, some work colleagues, and I, my phone was away for a couple of hours. Back when you could put your phone away for a couple of hours. And um, at the end of lunch, I took up my phone, and I had an email from somebody named James Fry. No subject matter. And I opened it, and it said, how can I help? And I was like, sure. Yeah, right. So I forwarded the email to my friend Sean. Sean Klumparens was one of the authors that Catherine was trying to promote. And I was like, ha ha, dude. <laughs> nice try. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, I know you made up this email address for James Fry, like, not funny. And he's like, no, I swear. <laughs> like, this is actually him writing to you, I think. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> you know. So I think I composed myself and did, waited a little bit to, to write to him and to say, well, you know, he had a blog at the time. And I was like, do you think you could blog about this initiative? Here's some information. She waited for a couple of weeks, but having heard nothing, she fell back on the elevator method. Okay, I know how to make this happen. So at that point I'd read all of his books, some of them many times. And so I mimicked his writing style, and I wrote a post about it, but as him. Um, and then I sent it to him, and I was like, do you mind posting this on your blog? And I don't even think he answered, but he put it up with his name. Though there were some small victories, Catherine's campaign didn't actually make any new bestsellers. That said, Sean and some of the others on Catherine's list really appreciated the effort. So when I were kind of wrapping this whole thing up, Sean was writing to all the writers who had participated to thank them. And of course he knew the whole story and he wrote to James Fry, you know, to thank him. And then he said, for whatever reason, because he absolutely knew the answer. By the way, like, how do you know Catherine? And James Fry's one-line response was, I met her in an elevator in Montreal. Hey friend, thank you for listening. The Volume Knob is a weekly exploration of personal stories and the power of music. It's produced by Semelvin Audio, and it's edited, written, mixed, and hosted by me. My name is Keith Searing. You can follow the show on Twitter at VolumeKnob1, that's the number one, and on Instagram at volume underscore knob. My thanks to Catherine McKenzie for being on the show this week. Be sure to check out our website at www.volumeknob.net for show notes, where you can get links to Catherine's books. 
The website also has a link to our mailing list where you can sign up for our monthly Volume Knob newsletter. I encourage you to do that as well. Finally, many thanks to my daughter Kate for her 30-second review of Bad Day, which she may have liked a little more than she let on. So, what did you think? A big fat meh. It was like, okay, but it was like, kind of boring at the same time. I saw you dancing. Yeah, because I was bored. What do you think I was going to do? Um, complain? No. Because then you think it's just going to get... It's not atypical, is it? I don't know what that means. <laughs> See you again next week on The Volume Knob for more stories about the songs that saved your life. <laughs>